1: All right, everybody, welcome into an, a new edition of the Six Rings and Football Things podcast here for WEEI. My first job hosting, Mike Kavlik here from WEEI, the first time I am hosting in lieu of Andy Hart and Nick Fitzy-Stevens because none of them none of them joined me down here today. So I am here joined by none other than CLNS Media's new NFL analyst and Patriots beat reporter, Taylor Kyle's Taylor. Thank you so much for joining me, Mike.
0: I am honored to be here. Uh, I love everybody on your show.
1: This is really exciting. Thankful for the opportunity. Yeah, of course. It's. Uh, I, I was thinking earlier before we started. I was like, oh, I think this is the first. You know, we've known each other, but it's the first time we're on a show together. But I forgot about all our draft coverage with CLNS before I <laughs> departed. Uh, before I departed CLNS for EEI, so uh, we are here. The Patriots. It is August first, Wednesday, and the Patriots just wrapped up their seventh training camp practice of the 2023 season and uh I guess my main takeaway well you know what, you know what we'll do we'll start with attendance because mm-hmm. um I think that's sort of been the uh the focal point of what's going on down here is just that you know there's guys on the field there's guys on the lower field uh there's guys in pads there's guys not in pads today was the Patriots second uh day of fully padded practices and one of the first guys out there Matthew Judon came out without pads on he was in his uh, red sweatshirt he was out here Signed some autographs, waved to fans, and then he basically made his way uh, down to the conditioning field and was a non-participant. So, uh, what what do you make of that? And you know, what do you think? I guess in general, I haven't really got your take on it. What's going on with Judon so far?
0: I really do think it's more of a management kind of thing. I think okay. you mentioned conditioning as well. We know he wears the sleeves and everything every day because he's trying to slim down or what have you. I wouldn't hit the panic button.
1: On so the you don't buy into the holding.
0: I, I think there may be some truth. Okay. There. You know, I think where there's smoke, there's fire. I wouldn't be surprised, especially what he said about the Hendrickson deal. Uh, when Trey Hendrickson for the Bengals was extended, right, right. they got some more money on his contract. And he was saying, you know, you're happy to see um, a brother, your position get paid. So I, I think Judon, I don't think he's going to hold in guy. I don't think this is going to be something that lingers right. where he doesn't play. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to be somebody who has a leader of the team,
1: not even just the defense, but the team. He wants a little more money. I've said it many times. It feels like uh, kind of a, We're allowed to swear on here. It's kind of a shitty way to do a (laughs) hold-in because uh, he's here. He's being respectful. He's saying that he loves the team. He's not, like, really holding out. So I don't really know what leverage he has by coming out here every other day. So you're right. I think uh, maybe it started that way, but it kind of does feel like a management thing um, because we also spoke to Ramondre Stevenson after practice, who was another guy who uh, is just, you know, managing his reps out here. And uh, he said it himself. He said after practice that you'll have to ask Bill Belichick uh, why he's not practicing because uh he has he's been out here he's but he's been down to conditioning not playing not practicing and I, after the whole running back saga that's gone on the last couple last couple weeks i didn't think stevenson was one of those guys it definitely doesn't seem it it seems like it's just a uh a load management thing for stevenson so uh some other guys that were uh, absent from practice Ty montgomery continues to not be here uh, like i said stevenson on offense was uh was a non-participant for a majority of practice, but then came out at the end and uh, ran with the Patriots for their um, their last minute or two-minute drill. Rather, um, another one that was of note, Ty- uh not Ty Montgomery, Tyquan Thornton, mm-hmm. was here to start practice, and then he made his way down to the conditioning field. So I don't know what they're doing if they're if they're me and Taylor to paint the picture. We're sitting above uh, the practice fields of Gillette here. You can see all three fields, and I wouldn't be surprised if they had to start uh, start mowing and doing some yard work, lawn work down there because it's got plenty of work with all the guys that have been down there. So, uh, any other uh, any other? attendance notes from you that you can think of uh, that we didn't touch
0: on Trent brown was another big one he yeah trent like again. Guy. yeah of course but that's another one where it seems like management because belichick said he's lighter than he's been didn't give a time frame but trent brown being lighter i think that's pretty significant especially for somebody who in mini camp seemed like he might have been a little on the bigger side he didn't really participate after doing a very light workout that where he didn't seem like he was in great shape um and with the offensive tackle situation trent brown is your guy? He's going to be on the left side, he has but to. yeah, regardless of the sides, like he is a starter, and he's one of the better tackles in the league. So it doesn't surprise me to see, and also why I kind of put some stock into Judon. Maybe it is a management thing because you know what these guys are—they don't have to prove anything. Thornton, I think that one's more interesting, but uh, the older guys, or at least the ones who have established that they can do well in the league, I think they're just trying to make sure those guys don't get hurt.
1: Yeah, I know it's it, the Trent Brown thing is uh, obviously one to note, and the ripple effect and the sort of trickle down effect is. Uh, it's a tough look, and I wrote about this morning actually on WEI.com just about um, sort of, again, that, that trickle-down effect because you go from having Trent Brown and having Mike Awenu when he's healthy to guys like Bill Murray and Riley Reef, who Riley Reef started camp on the right side and basically got kicked out for Connor McDermott and then had to go to the left side because Trent's not practicing. So it's a big shuffle um, along the line in general, and again, you hope that once everybody's healthy and ready to go and they can you know kick it into high gear um that they'll be able to you know sort of hit the ground running and use their run game to their advantage with a Rondre, but it looks pretty shaky right now so again something to obviously keep an eye on but yeah i mean i'm trying to think
0: it's definitely especially along the offensive line like you said even bill murray right he's kind of been a staple at the guard spot which is crazy because he's
1: yeah yeah that's right too that yeah we'll, we'll get into the offensive line here because uh yeah like taylor said uh bill murray transitioned from defensive tackle to offensive guard and then is now a staple because of one who hasn't been here. Um, But go ahead and say what you said, too, about um, just the the rotation they had in there because uh, Mafi was
0: Yeah, you're seeing a lot of Antonio Mafi, who I do think he's the highest upside prospect they got. There's also City So and Jake Andrews, who are solid players. But Mafi is the one where you say, okay, he's basically like some kind of Mike Wenu clone. Um, Less experienced. I know Belichick mentioned that he compared him to Bill Murray, actually, saying they both are relatively new to the position, uh, but their upside is pretty good. Like Bill Murray, you saw in preseason, he's very athletic, but he's really raw. I think today he lost in one-on-ones to Daniel Equale and Christian Barmore. You know, not terrible guys to lose to, specifically Barmore. Equality is kind of an underrated pass rusher. Uh, but still, I mean, it seemed like he got subbed out for Cody Rusi, who's projected to be a center for this team. Although the Patriots have been using their centers as guards. Yeah, they're so all moving good. around. Yeah, but- so I don't want to put too much stock into that. But yeah, I think when it comes time to play, I think that these guys are going to be ready. You know, on when is recovering from surgery, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Uh, and, you know, you need this depth at some point. Like if somebody goes down, that's football. Yeah. You know, not a lot of teams have great backups on the offensive line because it's rare to get good players there. Uh, they got a lot of bodies, but we got to see who establishes themselves.
1: You heard it here first. On yesterday's show, I called the offensive line room atrocious. And today, Taylor Kyle says uh, there's nothing to worry about, basically. that they're, they're We building... do need to see more. Yeah, we need to see
0: more. And... But they've got
1: bodies. You know, somebody is going to... you throw it at the wall and see who sticks. Absolutely. Um, speaking of the one-on-ones that you were talking about with the line and the D-line, Let's move over to the other field, what we saw with uh, the wide receivers and DBs. Ooh. Because, again, the Patriots offense, if you haven't already read my notebook by the time you're reading this, uh, Mac Jones and the offense, wide receivers, uh, they cooked today. I yeah. think today was by far the offense's best, uh, the best showing of the seven practices we've seen. It looks like Bill O'Brien, who was brought in um, as that sort of, frankly, the, it, he was sort of deemed like the best acquisition, acquisition they made all offseason. It wasn't necessarily a free agent wasn't necessarily uh, another assistant coach. It wasn't necessarily a draft pick. It was the fact that Billy O, the teapot, was coming back to uh, save what, the, what happened to the offense under Matt Patricia last year. Um, but just talk about sort of uh, what you saw in one-on-ones from the receivers because, you know, got the two rookies, DeMario Douglas, Kayshawn Booty, both had days uh, specifically in one-on-ones, uh, breaking some coverage on other guys. But uh, as you all know from listening to this podcast, I am more of the vibes guy, and Taylor Kyles is more of the, uh, the film NFL analyst technician. So I will let him explain what he saw during one-on-ones.
0: And I will say it's hard to see everything out here because they had like three one-on-ones going at once. So your eyes are kind of darting around. Um, I do know Kayshawn Booty. He's been very quiet. I think he had a catch yesterday. He's been quietly starting to kind of stack good days together. We saw today he beat each of the Patriots projected top corners in Jonathan Jones and Christian Gonzalez in pretty pretty solid fashion where it was clear wins, uh, which you want to see from him. He's a talented player, just really needs to buy in adjust to their system uh you had demario douglas i thought made the catch of the day where he lost marcus jones on his deep shot. just an outstanding play yep. it was a ball that was just a little bit behind him he went back got the ball was contested guy who's five eight five nine you'd like to see that from him and i thought maybe the most exciting play other than demario douglas was the rep where Devontae parker cleanly beat christian gonzalez on a whip route gonzalez yep. did make a solid recovery where he was in position to make a play if the ball was a little behind Mac Jones threw a good ball. Gonzalez couldn't make a play on it. Then Parker let him know started talking some smack, and then everybody started to get riled up. You saw people come together. I think a lot of the smack talk was at Mike Pellegrino. I was going to say,
1: yeah, defensive backs coach Mike Pellegrino was getting in the mud with some of the wide receivers today. Uh, Yeah,
0: so Devontae Parker, if you're looking for the top dog in this receiver room, it's him. He was letting people know because the offense dominated. You saw the defense having to do Uh, push-ups. You know, there's been a lot of talk about this receiving core, what they can, what they can't do, and Juju Smith-Schuster mentioned They've just been installing plays. Now they're finally getting the confidence because they know what they have to do. Now it's not so much walking through it as it is actually executing and playing football. Um, And, you know, this isn't necessarily a group of great separators. But even today, we saw Kendrick Bourne went 2-0 against Jack Jones, who's had a really good camp. Like, these are a lot of guys who are veteran players who can still win. You want to see them establish themselves, obviously, and build some uh, solid days. And today, I thought, was a real statement that, hey, this isn't going to be the defense dominating every day, even if they're a great unit offense can come out there and ball
1: too. Well, kind of putting everything together that we've seen, and one of my main observations over the last, again, week or so that we've been out here is that Mac Jones has pretty much looked comfortable running, you know, what O'Brien wants him to run and making checks at the line and understanding, you know, what plays to call into, what plays to call out of. Um, And even if he hasn't necessarily been able to get the ball off to guys, or if he's had to take some sacks because of some poor offensive line plays, it still looks like Mac, you know, like I said, understands what's going on and has a clear grasp already of the system. The question marks were A, the offensive line, and B, the receivers not getting separation. They worked you know, low and high red zone for the first couple of days, but even once they started to stretch it out, it still looked like they were having a tough time. But today, like you said, guys like Douglas, guys like Booty, Kendrick Bourne, and um, Devontae Parker, obviously, who I thought was probably the best receiver in one-on-ones, maybe Douglas as well. But Uh, They showed that they can not necessarily get a ton of separation, Mm -hmm. but they can win against NFL corners. We didn't see that at the start, and we saw that today in one-on-ones. You mentioned Juju's comment. I want to kind of get your thoughts in general, because uh, if you haven't already seen it on Twitter, again, when you're uh, listening to this podcast, Juju Smith-Schuster spoke to the media after practice and was asked if he was the number one wide receiver in the room and if the Patriots in general have that number one wide receiver. He answered and basically said that he thinks everybody can be a number one wide receiver on this team. I have been in the, of the mindset that it's kind of just a bunch of twos and threes and that there's not really that one guy who can dictate coverage and allow said twos and threes to get open all the time. Did today change your perspective on that? Do you agree? Do you disagree? What do you think about the room in general? I
0: mean, we've been talking about it. I think they do have like a room full of twos. Okay. I think, you know, in the NFL, just because receivers are so talented, I think it'd be kind of disrespectful to like the Jamar chase exactly. and Justin Jefferson's of the world to say, yeah, right. this team's got three number ones. From that perspective, yes, I don't think they have that guy. But I do think that Juju Smith-Schuster is right in that they have a lot of guys who like if a defense decides, you know, Parker has a bad day, if Horn has a bad day, somebody else is going to step up and they have enough guys. Like these are veterans. He didn't mention Tyquan Thornton who – Hasn't been able to establish himself right. yet. You know, DeMario Douglas is still building, but he mentioned the
1: veterans. I thought that was interesting, to cut you off, that mm-hmm. he didn't mention Taekwon right away. It took him, like, his second sentence to kind of bring him into the fold. He mentioned himself, Parker, and Bourne as the, the number ones that he thinks they have. Yeah, and I, I but I do think they have, like I say, I
0: say number twos because, you know, it's not the guys who are going to be burners necessarily. They're not going to take the top off. Right. They're not going to get a ton of separation all the time. But they are going to win. They'll get just enough to make the catch. Maybe somebody misses, and then you get plays after the catch. And with O'Brien, the way that he can scheme you open, whether it's you know going That's empty, not, yep. whether it's motion. What we actually saw from Juju, he had a touchdown really pretty in the back of the end zone. And he said it was a concept where they've been repping it. We've seen them on uh, when their special teams periods. They're trying to work on red zone stuff. And he said it finally worked where they had switch releases. Looked like Juju broke inside, and there was a miscommunication on the back end. And with a secondary like the Patriots, where they have a lot of experience, yep. if you're catching them off guard, I even said yesterday on a little Twitter rant I went on, this is going to be an, an outstanding Twitter
1: rant. You should go check it out at t kyles39. Thank, Thank you, continue. sir. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but
0: this is going to be a scrappy offense. You win with formations. You win with pace. We've seen Mac Jones get guys off sides pretty consistently when he's using pace and they're going with the, yep. the hard count and things like that. So I think this is just going to be a team that one doesn't beat themselves. They win enough. And they also capitalize on your mistakes, and that's where you're going to get a lot of the big plays. So, yeah, in terms of the number twos, I think you can still win that way because not a lot of teams have three, four, five guys you can put on the field and rely on them to produce. Not Most teams maybe have two or three of those guys max. They've got a rotation with different skill sets. So I do think, you know, have some cautious optimism. I think, you know, the defense even said they were caught off guard. But uh, Adrian Phillips mentioned yesterday, Bill O'Brien is seeing what the defense is doing and he's scheming for it. And we're seeing that translate to the field. A lot of the offense, when you have a good coordinator is putting guys in position and then finishing. We saw their ability to finish. We saw O'Brien being able to put them in those
1: positions to succeed. My final sort of note from what we saw from the offense during the session. And it was Pierre Strong, Uh, Pierre Strong who has been sort of dubbed as, you know, this, this James White kind of player who can, you know, get open and be a a short shifty guy and a a security blanket for the offense. Uh, He hasn't really done that too much. He's always been sort of a, he's been a runner and he was a runner in college at South Dakota state. I think he was sort of given some, some false expectations with that role. But today during one-on-ones we did see him beat uh, one of New England's best coverage linebackers in Mac Wilson on a wheel route, a nice throw from, I think it was Zappi. So some confidence there for the young running back. Um, Any other quick observations from the offense we you saw that stood out before we get into the defense i would say i
0: like that they're running with pace they're able to do that
1: consistently they're able to kind
0: of give the defense a little more to think about by operating at a faster speed dictate a bit more um and the fact that they can do that this early in the offseason program says a lot because if you have the base down and you can do it on a fundamental level can add things to it you can make adjustments if things come up and adjust so yeah I would say that's my biggest takeaway because I think this is going to be one of those offense that has to win with scheme with discipline and things like that and if you can operate with pace and put make defenses uncomfortable that's when you start letting opponents beat themselves
1: and that's why they brought Bill O'Brien in again is to, to have that sort of you know pace in this offense and to scheme guys open and to have that you know that mismatch style of offense with again we talked about you know Twos versus ones. It doesn't really matter. It's guys who can get open. And if you have four twos, it's better than having a one, a two, a three, a four, in my opinion, anyway. So uh that's the stick on the offense. Uh we also saw the defense today. Offense won the day. Uh but the defense was out there. Um, obviously played okay. I said it before. I don't think today was a defensive loss as much as it was an offensive win. Uh, but some takeaways and some notes from the defense. Uh from day seven was Marte Mapu. Uh I still think he is uh He's that hybrid defender that Bill Belichick loves, and I think he, he showed out in one-on-ones. He made one play on Matt Sokol uh, that stood out to me anyway. It was a nice pass he got He blanketed him in coverage. Um, so that was my sort of one-on-one, my sort of standout from one-on-ones, if you will. Um, but then the cornerback the room is something that I've always I've continued to keep an eye on here. Christian Gonzalez is cemented on the outside at one spot, and then they're sort of rotating in a bunch of guys on the other side, whether it's Marcus Jones, John Jones jack jones as well uh, jack jones saw some run out there today uh but it was a lot of marcus jones too which i still i don't know if i fully understand it i think that john jones is better out there um i also think john jones is better inside uh n- nothing against marcus jones he's, he's a, he'd be a great wide receiver he's one of the best punt returners uh he's you know he sort of gets beaten coverage sometimes and i'm just i'm not as big of a fan of him as i think most are on the outside or the inside frankly uh but they're still giving him that run there today taylor what do you think of their rotation on, at cornerback outside of Christian Gonzalez and what do you see today from them? Yeah, I do think that Jack Jones would be more a staple on the
0: outside if he weren't dealing with his legal situation. I've said that Marcus Jones is a competitive corner on the outside. He's got a lot of experience doing it. Even last season, you saw him give up a lot of catches, but he was always in position. You weren't seeing him get burned out there, but at the same time, that is significant. You've seen it against Devontae Parker, some of the bigger receivers. It is still a problem. Now, I would love to see a lineup where John Jones is outside with Marcus Jones inside, but I think that slot role, they just really want a veteran in there who knows the system inside and out, which is why you've seen Miles Bryant really hold on and not let go to that role in the past couple of seasons because he's been with the team since it was 2020. Yeah, Um so he knows it very well. And with all the adjustments that need to be made, the responsibilities against the run adjustments, where you end up playing safety, sometimes a pseudo linebacker, there's a lot that goes into that slot role. So I think they're trying to ease Marcus Jones into what we've seen him there. Or like, you don't see Jack Jones bump in there. So they clearly have some interest in putting Marcus Jones in a better position to succeed, but I think it's still a work in progress. Um, but I, I, I would agree that the best corner rotation would be Gonzalez, obviously with Jack Jones on the outside and John Jones inside, but Without the benefit of film, it's hard to know. My one gripe about Jack Jones was that his gambling, it works out a lot. We've seen him get a ton of breakups. It feels like he's making plays every day out here. But he was also getting beat a decent amount, although he wasn't getting targeted last season. Now, it's his second year. I'm sure he's learned from that. If he rebounded and is really making smart gambles and not having to you know, give up those potentials for big plays, I am much higher on him, although I do think Marcus Jones is a good corner. Uh, but yeah, we'll see if, if he can play and is available for the season. I think we're probably going to see that as the top
1: rotation yeah, with agree. Marcus Jones filling in based on whatever the game plan is. Yeah, for sure. Save him for his punt returns and have him being a rotational guy. But <laughs> because again, that's, that's where he was. That's where he was best last year too. They didn't have him on the outside all the time. They didn't have him on the inside all the time when they needed him, they used him. And, uh, again, he, you saw it. He made plays against freaking Devontae Adams yep. against, against, uh, the Raiders, but it was in, it was in spot starts. So anyway, um, Anything else on the defense that stood out? I'd say one thing that stood out to me was second-round pick. Keon white was getting some run with the first team on Mm -hmm. edge. Um, And I thought today, going back to the corners a little bit, not that he was necessarily bad, but this was Christian Gonzalez's first sort of struggle today, I think. Um, He's been really consistent, but I think he got beat a few times by Parker, by Booty, in 11s and 1s. Um, Not that it's anything to note, but I just think it's sort of him coming back down to earth a little bit because he has had such a great week. Um, But that's going to happen with your corner. He's still the top dog in the room. He's still the best one out there. Um, But any other defensive uh, defensive standouts to you today, or observations that you can think of?
0: I kind of want to steal the Gonzalez one just because it did stand out to me. Since his biggest thing in college was winning at the catch point, yeah, like that was something where I think his last season he did take a lot of strides and he was much more competitive. But people were questioning, all right, his ball skills are getting better, but can he be a true elite corner? who can turn opportunities to make a play on the ball into actual turnovers. I think Devonte Parker really has taken his lunch money a few times throughout this training camp, minicamp, and OTAs when they match up because Parker is someone where, like, yeah, he's not going to separate, but he's going to win 70% of the jump balls, and that's where Gonzalez really needs to refine himself. So I would agree. You're seeing him start to lose, but it's not yep. even like he's getting burned out there or no, it's no. low. Like his coverage instincts are fantastic, yes. but he just needs to do a better job of finishing at the catch point and turning his great positioning into breakups and turnovers.
1: Right. He's not, like you said, he's not getting burnt for a 60 yard touchdown. Right. He's getting beat by an extra five inches. So they're making the catch instead of a pass breakup. And then he's, he'll probably be there making a tackle or a guy like Kyle Duggar is right there in coverage to make the tackle, too. So. Uh, Nothing, no alarm bells sounding off yet for Christian Gonzalez. It was really just a great day for the offense. Let's close it out with special teams. Um, Two of my big special teams notes of today, the first one being Joe Judge, as bad as it was on offense last season, and as bad as, you know, him being in the quarterback room sort of, you know, infiltrated the entire – it it was bad and we know it. I'm not going to get into it all, you know, as much as I usually do. But Joe Judge is a heck of a special teams coach. I was keeping, like, a keen eye on some – it was a – a punt blocking drill that he was running with guys like Amir Speed, Jordan Hill, like Chris Board, Joe Cardona. Just listening to him interact with those guys, teach them the technique, and you know, walk them through it. He he knows what he's talking about. He's a heck of a special teams coach. I think they have. Um, I think that's why they kept him around instead of just outright letting him walk or you know, firing him like they did with Patricia. Um, they're gonna have something there on on the special teams unit with him after uh, after a tough year last year. The other thing I found interesting was during a special teams drill, but it was on the other field. They're running special teams. They're doing kickoff, kick return, and that's when O'Brien has, you know, brought that first group of wide receivers and tight ends over to the other field to work on their rug routes, their mesh routes on the goal line. Mike Gusecki wasn't there today. They instead had him playing scout team kick return. Why? That's all. I say why. Like, I, I find that very odd, a guy who's supposed to be a red zone threat, a red zone target for you. You're instead relegating him to the special teams backups. I didn't understand it. It was just giving a look, and I, I don't know why it happened. We'll keep an eye on it. I don't know why it would happen, but do you have any idea why the heck they would do that? I really don't know. We also saw Kayshawn <laughs> Did you notice Booty. that? I did. Okay, It was, was
0: Gesicki and it was Kayshawn Booty, yeah. who had been with the red zone period uh, the past couple days. Now, last week, I, saw, I think we saw more DeMario Douglas in that role, which is one of the times where we were right. like, ooh, he's working with the starters. Douglas has been one of the main returners over Marcus Jones, which right. has been very interesting. So Douglas, nothing to worry about, but seeing Booty and Gasicki over there was definitely notable. Not sure what that's about. Booty obviously had a really good day today, so we'll see if anything changes. Right. But Gasicki admittedly has been pretty quiet. Yeah, now, yeah. He's someone where I think chemistry is going to be big for him. I think that he and Mac are going to win with ball placement and positioning once they really get a feel for how they're going to beat certain types of defenders on certain routes and things like that. Um, but definitely something to note. That Kasicki is supposed to be a focal point of this offense, a big mismatch piece, and he's not working with what's projected to be the
1: top. Right. I found that very strange. Um, Any other special theme songs for you before we wrap this thing up?
0: Uh, (laughs) There was one point uh, during the aforementioned period with Joe Judge. Yep. Chris Board got a little overzealous. Yes, and buried yep. somebody. It and, was uh, it was Jordan
1: Healy. Jordan Healy, yeah. Healink, he yeah.
0: and it was uh, he got a little reminder. Um, you know, Belichick has emphasized we're trying to take care of each other. Yeah, and it wasn't anything malicious. It wasn't anything bad, but he got a little reminder, like, hey, you know, yeah, ease up a little bit. Uh, but with Board, somebody's supposed to have a big role on special teams, potentially in sub packages, a linebacker as well you know, you like to see the fire and he's a really, he's a talented player. So I thought that was, that was kind of funny. Yeah, that was
1: good. Um, all right. That will do it for today's episode of the six rings and football things podcast here at Weei and W-E-E-I.com. I am Mike Catholic. Thank you to Taylor Kyles from CLNS media for joining me. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. I believe it'll be myself and Andy Hart to give you yet another post-practice uh, recap here on the six rings and football things podcast. So again, make sure to rate, review, subscribe. Check us out on uh, on social everywhere you get your podcasts, and uh, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.